When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie now to the Ballymurphy massacre, which took place over three days in August of 1971. On the 9th of August, the British Army shot and killed six people. Francis Quinn was just 19. He was shot while he was going to the aid of a wounded man. Catholic priest Father Hugh Mullen was shot while he was going to the aid of a wounded man and he was waving a white cloth. Joan Connolly was 44 years of age. She was shot as she stood opposite the army base. Claims are that she was shot by three different soldiers and that she might have survived had she been given medical attention sooner. But she lay injured in the field for several hours. Daniel Taggart was 44. Most of the bullets that he was shot with entered his back as he lay injured on the ground. He was shot 14 times. Noel Phillips was just 20 years of age when he was shot dead standing opposite the army base. Joseph Murphy was 41. He was shot as he stood opposite that base too. He was taken into custody afterwards and after his release as he was dying in hospital he claimed that he'd been beaten and shot again when he was in custody. His body was exhumed in October of 2015 and a second bullet was discovered in his body which corroborated his claim. Following the killing of the six people on the 9th, the Parachute Regiment went on to shoot another person on the 10th of August and another three people were shot on the 11th of August. Edward Doherty was 28. He was shot walking along the White Rock Road. John Laverty, just 20, and Joseph Corr, 43, were shot at separate points at the top of White Rock Road. Laverty was shot twice, once in the back and once in the back of the leg, while Joseph Corr was shot several times. He died of his injuries on the 27th of August. John James McCare was 49. He was shot by unknown attackers while standing outside a Catholic church. He died of his injuries on the 20th of August. Another man, Paddy McCarthy, who was 44 years of age, got into a confrontation with a group of soldiers. His family say that a gun was put into his mouth and the trigger pulled. McCarthy suffered a heart attack and died shortly afterwards. The 11th death that is associated with the Ballymurphy massacre. All 10 of the victims who were shot dead were entirely innocent. Nine were shot by the British Army, but in the case of the tenth victim, John McCare, the abject failure to investigate at the time meant there was no evidence upon which to base a judgment. We the Ballymurphy families welcome the coroner's historic verdict. We the Ballymurphy families welcome the coroner's historic verdict today. Justice Keegan declared all unjustified force was used in the killing of our loved ones. And entirely innocent. 
Danny Taggart's son, John, welcoming uh, the coroner's verdict yesterday. Let's uh, talk uh, to Anne Cadwallader, former journalist and now caseworker with uh, the Pat Finucan Centre. Good morning to you, Anne, and thanks for joining us morning, on Mike. the programme. It was a long road to justice, uh, but I, I'm not sure how many people can remember 1971 listening to us uh, this morning. I mean, you'd have to be 55, 60 years of age to have any tangible memory of what happened, uh, if not older. Can you put into context what was happening in the Lower Falls in 1971 for us? Well, the British government, at the Unionist uh, Stormont administration's um, encouragement, had brought in a policy of internment without trial. Uh, it was completely and totally counterproductive in the long term, but in the short term, it meant that areas of West Belfast were being raided, people being rounded up, taken away, and put in jail without trial. So it, it, it just like the killings at Ballymurphy, internment was a, a complete and utter unmitigated disaster for both the Irish, for the Irish people. Um, it, 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 it uh, meant that the conflict escalated exponentially. Um, and these murders, the murders of the people in Ballymurphy, are like other murders, for example, Bloody Sunday, that was carried out by the same group of paras, uh, meant that the conflict was unnecessarily prolonged. The things, that, if things had been done right, right at the start, then the past 35 years, the 35 years of conflict may have been completely unnecessary, as it were, because the same. The attitude of the Paris at the time was that they could shoot with impunity. Mm. There was no... What people don't realise, I think, is there's a lot of talk about reinvestigation. The point was that they were never... The killings were never investigated in the first place. The, the police were not called in. The police were not called in to investigate, to interview soldiers who killed people. Instead, um, fellow soldiers in the role... In the... Uh, in the... What are the and the Royal Military Police were called in. Mm. And they conducted what was called at the time and, and since tea and sandwich interviews, inasmuch as the soldiers who'd used lethal force and killed people in the way that you just described were never at any stage held accountable for what they had done. They were never investigated, never interviewed, and they were just let go. And, and subsequently, we've discovered through um, finding documents in the National Archives in London that this was a policy. It wasn't just a one-off thing. This was decided at the very top between the Director of Public Prosecutions, senior army officers, and the British Attorney General, that soldiers who used lethal force should not be held to account. Uh, and they weren't. And for 50 years, the families have had to fight to get the first proper investigation that has ever been held into their family members' murders. Mm. Older listeners will never forget uh, and will remember uh, uh, all of this quite vividly. Younger listeners will find it hard to believe uh, uh, and will hear the accounts of what happened on those fatal days in August of 1971 uh, as sounding like something uh, from Gaza this morning rather than the island of Ireland. Uh, It really is incredible stuff. And you would imagine that there were two warring factions. But what we are talking about is completely innocent people going about their everyday business. Yeah, there were were three factions involved. There were the loyalists who were attacking the area as well. There was the the Bally Murphy itself, and let there be no doubt about it. There were militant Republicans active uh, militarily with guns and bombs at that stage in Bally Murphy as well, and indeed throughout Belfast. But but when you look back on it, it's 
so utterly tragic. It need never have happened. Uh, the British government, um, were an abject failure of diplomacy and politics at that time. They seem to have taken their lead totally from the Unionist government at Stormont. And instead of stepping back and thinking about hearts and minds, what should we do here to try and resolve this problem? They just decided to send in the stormtroops, which they did when the Paris was sent mm. to Belfast. And it just made things so, so, so much worse. And, and, and all, you know, the, the tragedy, obviously, for the 10 families, and I've known all of them for many years now, and they're amazing people, incredibly determined people, full of love and forgiveness and reconciliation. They're a great, great bunch of people, ordinary working class people from West Belfast. But the tragedy for them was appalling. But the tragedy for the whole island, and for Northern Ireland in particular, was that because of an abject failure of policy and of the ability of British politicians to think about what they were doing, um, and, you know, you couldn't have mm. imagined anything worse than sending the Paris into Belfast. And then, of course, into Derry. Yeah, that's it. Uh, 600 of them uh, uh, on the streets and of Belfast. And never held accountable. Mm. Never held accountable. And what is so annoying for so many people now, including the Ballymurphy families, is that uh, the veterans groups in Britain are all demanding um, uh, um, statute of limitations and immunities and amnesties. As if as if they've ever been investigated. Mm. The British Army killed 304 people in Northern Ireland during the conflict, around 304 people. Only four people have ever been sent to jail for that. And even one of those was, and they were all released early and went back into their regiments. They're, cla- they're claiming now it's not an amnesty uh, and they don't want an amnesty, but uh, it certainly looks, walks and talks like an amnesty. The Queen, exactly. said, the Queen said in her speech yesterday, the government will introduce a, a legacy package that delivers better outcomes for victims, survivors and veterans, focuses on information recovery and reconciliation and ends the cycle of investigations. Well, the one thing that's not mentioned is investigation. I mean, I think there, there might be an argument made by some people for limited immunity from prosecution. Not that fa- families should always yeah. have the right to look for prosecutions, but some families that I work with would rather have the truth than, than prosecutions. But that's up to each individual family. But if you have a, some kind of amnesty or immunity without a proper investigation, without truth, without people being told the truth, mm. if you give people amnesties without people knowing why their loved ones have died, then you're not going to get reconciliation. You're going to get more anger, resentment, frustration, because people feel there's been a cover-up. Mm. You can't say, okay, go free, we won't prosecute you, if at no stage has there been a proper investigation. One cannot be go ahead without the other. The argument it here, Anne... go ahead at all. It the, has to be hand in hand. The argument here is that this will afford people a chance to get closure because prosecutions are not possible. If you look at Bally Murphy 50 years ago, some of the powers will uh, be very old or some of them will have died. Uh, the evidence is in there. Uh, bringing prosecutions successfully will be impossible. Uh, but it, it, Yeah, in many cases that's right. Mike. Yeah. Mm. But there was a proposal put forward by the parties here and endorsed by London called the Stormont House Agreement, mm. that would have allowed for a, uh, for a robust investigation of the past carried out by a unit that was to be set up called the mm. Historical Investigations mm. Unit. But that has been junked by London in favour of a kind of um, blanket amnesty. Uh, and that won't work. If you mm. look at other countries 
emerging from conflict, even Spain and in South America. If you have amnesty or immunity without investigation, then it doesn't work. It, there doesn't that the ultimate goal is for families to get as much truth as possible and for society to find reconciliation between warring groups. What about that South Africa, though? As an ex- investigation. Sorry, Anne. Well, I mean, I, I know from my... Uh, I, I went to South Africa and mm. studied their Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and there are many, many people in South Africa who would advise us now not to go down that particular road. Uh, we have devised, with the experience of South Africa and of Latin American country, countries and elsewhere, we have devised, we've reinvented the wheel three times now, there was the Eames-Bradley agreement um, on investigating the past on legacy. Then there was the Hasso-Sullivan deal. And then there was the Stormont House agreement. And each time London endorses it, each time the parties have a hard-won agreement between them, and then it's endorsed, generally speaking, by people through consultation. And then the governments endorse it. Both the Irish and British governments endorse it. But then London doesn't implement it. When it comes to it, London still wants for whatever reason you and I can guess, mm. London doesn't want the truth to come out. Okay. And they will seize on anything they can find to avoid the, 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 the truth of what happened in the conflict emerging. Because until now, London has managed to project itself as being a neutral arbiter between two warring sides, the, the umpire holding the sweaters during the, during the game of soccer. Well, it wasn't like that. And I mean, London has a lot to fear um, from a genuine truth commission, uh, but also a lot to gain, because then the ultimate goal will, would be reconciliation. It's good to talk to you again, Anne. Stay with us if you can. Um, John Teggard also joins us now. Uh, John, good morning to you, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. And congratulations to you and all of uh, the families on the successful conclusion in a campaign for justice and truth. Uh, we heard earlier on about your father, Daniel, your father, Danny, uh, and how your father was shot dead, murdered, uh, 14 bullets in his back uh, while he was lying on the ground. Uh, you were never in any doubt that he was entirely innocent, I take it. No, never in any doubt. Uh, we, we, we could cover every step that he made that day, uh, from going to my sister's, getting his hair cut, taking his grandchild out, uh, back to the house, falling asleep, going to his brothers, uh, trying to get his brothers to go to my sister's house, which was uh, further away from the barrack. Uh, my daddy's brother was just actually lived yards from the barrack, uh, and, uh, but that's why he was in the area. So uh, he, they, they had to get split up, and from, from there he, he run. Well, the first shot, they get split up, and he had run down towards the army barrack, which he thought was he'd run the safety. And he he had stood there uh, before he was shot uh, fourteen times by numerous soldiers. It really has been a, a very long campaign, uh, one that begun in nineteen ninety eight, I think. Yeah, in nineteen ninety eight, I was uh, I was actually uh, there was an infant uh, held by relatives of justice and uh, forgotten victims of the conflict, and and my sister attended and. That's really how it started. There was a open mic, and there just seemed to be a pattern going around the the hall that all these ones were murdered in Ballymurphy, and and uh, actually there there's uh, three people who spoke. My my sister Alice, uh, Mrs Connolly's son, 
and Janet Murphy, who, whose father was also murdered, in the same room, uh, telling the same story, which, and possibly they, they had never met before in their lives, but uh, the, 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 these these uh, speakers had had one thing in common that 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 their loved ones was murdered opposite the the, the army barracks and and uh, Ballymurphy. And then there was a, as as we progressed the the, the campaign and, and spoke to the other families, uh, it worked out it was eleven people were murdered in just that that small uh, housing estate and in the Greater Ballymurphy area, and would be found that there were six hundred pars hmm. also in the area and uh, carried out the brutality and, and the murder and mayhem that the, the carried out over three days. What did the verdict yesterday mean to you? Uh, it means. The verdict yesterday meant uh, to me that all that was done for over 20 years, from from I grew up to till I was able to start asking the questions, I was an 11-year-old boy at the time, it meant that all that time, which was spent day and night, uh, further in the campaign, all the hard work was done by all the families, uh, the dignified determination of all the fam- families uh, has paid off. It meant that because there was no police investigation even until today, their their only their only input uh, to the investigation was taking photos of our loved ones in the morgue. Uh, so, for us to go out and investigate already working class people, I'm a a, a, a proud labourer. I work in the building site. That's that's my work. So for people like myself and others uh, to take on that task of uh, investigating our loved ones. And then once we had that together, uh, bringing that evidence to the legal system for it to be legalised in some way where we can pass it on to Attorney General, it was a, an easy easy uh, judgment for him to open up the inquest and, and then further on to the inquest itself that started in 2018. Uh, the, all that work uh, wow. paid off and it was, uh, we were ecstatic. Well, no doubt you've done your father proud, uh, as is the case with all of uh, the families. Uh, you've changed history, and history will now recall that your father was entirely innocent, murdered by the Paris. Uh, can we uh, take up on the conversation I was having with Anne when you joined us uh, about this amnesty, uh, maybe an amnesty by another name, but an amnesty to all intents and purposes so that will be afforded to the Paris and whoever was responsible for your father's death. What are your thoughts on that and indeed this idea of a South African Truth Commission? Well, we, we, we corrected history yesterday. Uh, um, I wouldn't be going down the lanes of a Truth Commission or, or anything like that. Uh, the 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 amnesty that is put forward is for those who have something to hate. That that's been why people call for an amnesty. There's something to hate. Obviously, that was brought out in the open yesterday. How can you how can you on the same day, where eleven innocent civilians uh, were declared uh, entirely innocent, as the judge's final words were? Uh, how can you on the same day call for an amnesty if if there was ever uh, one reason of, of why there shouldn't be an amnesty, and I mean an amnesty for anyone, uh, is the judgment by Justice Keegan yesterday. Uh, I, I, every everybody, where it be a soldier, a policeman, 
uh, somebody from the, uh, the Catholic community, Lois community, uh, Protestant community, uh, deserves what we had got yesterday. That, that, that was the truth. Uh, acknowledged uh, and uh, made, made official. I, I, I had no, uh, many, many friends in both sides of the community who are still campaigning, and I hope yesterday would, would give them strength to carry on. They're, they're entitled to go through the legal system as we did. And, and that's, that's the proper route for any of these investigations. And if there wasn't any delay and all the stuff that, that was put uh, blocking our campaign to where we are, uh, the all these all these people who are, who are waiting, waiting for truth and justice uh, would be uh, in some way uh, got closure. I hate to use that word, but some way got closure and get uh, off what they're campaigning for. They're all entitled to it. Everybody is entitled to it. And the, the judge had says that, and summing up, everyone's entitled to article, article to sure. investigation. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got during, during our uh, inquest. Very good. Well, well done to you. Congratulations to you and all of the families after all of these years. Uh, a tireless effort, really, really something for people to admire, John. Um, Thanks very much. Uh, and what do you think will happen next? Well, let us hope. And I mean, we're in the Papua New Centre, we're arguing that um, the amnesty as proposed by the British government would be a disaster. And it, it would actually um, uh, run counter to European uh, human rights law. Now, the, the British government, the British people have left the European Union, but they haven't left the Council of Ministers, and the European Convention on Human Rights is governed by that. And time after time, we've gone to the European Council of Ministers and argued that the British government is in contradiction of its obligations under the Convention on Human Rights, and and the and the Council has agreed with us. So, I mean, it may be that we have to look to Europe, but I mean, that would be a, a place of last resort because it would take months and be extremely lengthy. Um, so we just have to hope that the that they do see sense. And if they are going to go down the route of limited immunity, that they also uh, recognize that, that without truth and without proper investigation, without an independent investigation that is compliant with Article 2 of the European Convention on Human Rights, then they would be uh, copying the mistakes of the they've made so often in the past uh, and and leading to more toxicity in the body politic in Northern Ireland and and failing to reach the reconciliation that they claim they want. I mean, they just don't seem to, to us to be going to have any kind of concept of what's really needed in this situation, which is proper truth recovery. Uh, the Barry Murphy families, yes, as John said, mm. they still haven't had a police investigation, uh, as as was their right, right back in 1971. But they have at least had some investigation. Uh, and mm. other groups of families that the PFC is working with, such as the families involved in the Glen Ann series of murders, there are other families who have had a modicum of truth, but it's so piecemeal and ad hoc. There are other families out there that are never heard of in the public domain, uh, who, mm. who, are, who are suffering terribly, invisibly, because they've never had any proper investigation. And that everybody should be equal. Everybody should have the same uh, status and respect for their loss. And, sh- and every incident that families want to be investigated should be. It shouldn't be a question of having to campaign and uh, over 50 years yeah. to get what is your right in the first place. 
Indeed. Um, so one hopes mm. that London will recognise that and, 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 and realise that the road they're going down at the moment is, is a rabbit hole. Okay. Pure and simple. Thank you both for taking the time. Thank you so much for taking the time and all of the time that you did take with us uh, this morning. It's very much appreciated. And Cadwallader, former journalist, now a caseworker with uh, the Pat Finucane Centre and also speaking to us, uh, John Teggard, whose father, Danny, was shot 14 times by British Paris and is one of uh, the 10 people who were murdered on the streets of Belfast in 1971. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.